Welcome to another episode of Fly to Freedom. Um, today, I would like to talk about excessive exercise and compulsive low level movement, like when people say they're addicted to exercise. And this is really, really common in an eating disorder. And I would like to talk, first of all, about my own experience of exercise addiction and compulsive low-level movement, actually. Um, when I was in the eating disorder, I really had a, a very, very strong problem with exercise. I would exercise for up to eight hours a day. Um, I had a certain number of steps that I absolutely had to hit. It was such a strong rule for me. And that would take me hours and hours. And I was exhausted, but kept going all the time. And even when I wasn't doing exercise, I never really sat down. I was constantly on my feet all the time, doing something, baking, tidying, cleaning, just creating things that I needed to do that made me on my feet all the time. And one of the biggest parts of this for me was that I didn't feel like I had any control over it. I felt like it was something I absolutely had to do. And that's kind of what I really want to talk to about today and questions to ask yourself about, are you addicted to exercise? So that's the first step to establish whether you are. And when you ask yourself these questions, you can start getting a really clear picture of whether exercise is in fact a problem for you or isn't. So first of all is, why am I doing this exercise? For what reason am I doing this exercise? And I know for me in the eating disorder, I was doing it for so many reasons, none of which were beneficial. They were all quite destructive. Um, I told myself I enjoyed it. Looking back, I don't know if I really did. <clears throat> it felt like a punishment more than anything, to be honest. It felt like I needed to punish myself. I exercised to compensate for food. I exercised to earn food, but I never really wanted to eat so I don't know, it's more compensation for food, I think. I exercised because in my mind, it was really important for me to be fit and strong and healthy, although I wasn't. But in my mind, I thought I was doing the right thing for a very long time. Honestly, I exercised for external validation because people used to praise me, admire my body admire the amount of exercise I could do um, and I got a lot of validation for it and that felt good. So that was another one of my reasons. I don't think any of the reasons were kind and loving to myself. So that's the first question. I invite you to grab a journal or a pen and paper and first of all say, why am I doing this exercise? The second question I'd like you to answer is, what is the reward I'm hoping to get from doing this exercise? Now that 
could be so many different things. What is the reward for you? What are you getting from doing the exercise? The next question is, do I enjoy it really and truly? Do I enjoy this exercise? And that might well be a yes. And it's compulsive. Or it could just be a yes. Or it could be simply a no, I feel like I have to do it, but I don't enjoy it. So it's really good question to ask and find out if you do actually enjoy what you're doing. And a really, really important question is how would I feel if I was unable to do this? So I used to book things around times I wanted to exercise. If we were going on holiday, it had to be to somewhere that had a decent gym. That was the first thing I'd look up for a hotel. I would have to take my running trainers. I would have to take all my gym gear. We would have to have a flight that meant that I could still go to CrossFit in the morning before I went. I would get up early to train. So when, if there was a reason why I couldn't exercise, I felt terrible. I felt incredibly anxious, incredibly restless. And I would sacrifice almost anything to be able to go and do exercise. So say someone invited me out for their birthday and it was something that would be really nice or indeed for my birthday or something. I would say no or try and change it around so that I could still do exercise. I was unable to take a rest day. I exercised in some way, shape or form every single day. And my poor body just was really struggling under the strain of that. But I still never, with all the aches and pains, I still carried on exercising. I tore ligaments and still went to the gym on crutches. When I look back, that's really disordered. But you get a lot of validation. Oh, well, let's just train arms then. And it's it's really difficult to let go of something when you do get so much external validation. I completely get that. And that's where you can start to bring the validation from inside. But we'll go into that a little bit more later on. So with regard to eating disorders and exercise addiction, I'd like to read a little bit about the adapted to flee famine hypothesis. Um, because as an eating disorder recovery coach with a deep understanding of the complexities of eating disorders, I'd like to explain the issue of compulsive exercise and movement in people with eating disorders through the lens of Shan Gossing Gossinger, I don't know if I've said that right, probably not, but apologies, adapted to flee famine hypothesis. This hypothesis provides a compelling evolutionary perspective on why certain behaviours manifest in eating disorders. The adapted to flee famine hypothesis posits that eating disorders may be understood as evolutionary adaptations. In the context of our ancestors, famine was a common threat to survival. This hypothesis suggests that in response to famine, 
certain individuals would develop traits that increase their chances of finding food and surviving. These traits include hyperactivity, restlessness, and a decrease in appetite. Essentially, it suggested that in times of food scarcity, some people would simply become more active and less interested in eating them, eating, driving them to travel further to find new sources of substance. When we apply this framework to modern day eating disorders, we can see how compulsive exercise and excessive movement might well be manifestations of these ancient survival mechanisms. People with eating disorders might unconsciously engage in excessive physical activity as a response to perceived food scarcity. This behavior, whilst maladaptive in the current context, can be seen as a throwback to a time when increased activity was a survival advantage in the face of famine. In eating disorders, these behaviors are often coupled with an intense fear of weight gain and a distorted body image. This fear can further fuel the drive for excessive exercise as a person might believe that this level of activity is necessary to maintain or achieve a certain body shape or weight. However, it's really important to recognize that whilst this hypothesis provides a really interesting evolutionary perspective, eating disorders are complex and multifaceted. They're influenced by a combination of biological, psychological and socio sociocultural factors. The adapted to flea famine hypothesis helps in understanding one potential aspect of these disorders, but it needs to be integrated with other perspectives for a comprehensive understanding and effective treatment approach. So in recovery coaching, acknowledging the potential evolutionary underpinnings of compulsive exercise can be helpful in understanding the behavior, but the focus remains on addressing the each individual's current mental and physical health needs, challenging distorted thoughts and beliefs and developing healthier coping mechanisms. It's about guiding people to reconnect with their bodies in a compassionate way, creating a healthier relationship with food and exercise, and ultimately supporting them in their journey towards recovery. So I just want to quickly go into the challenges of constant movement because it's like an unconscious almost continuous need to engage in physical movement is not as intense as exercise addiction but involves like a really persistent restlessness and an inability to remain still leading to activities like pacing fidgeting or just being busy constantly on your feet all the time. I used to take this, um, the suggestions that people used to say to get extra steps in like park further away and stuff like that. I always did that just to get extra steps in. And I was constantly on the go the whole time. I, I never went to the cinema because I couldn't sit still. And that's actually something that I really practiced in recovery I found it very difficult to stay still at home and so I would go to the cinema where it's very difficult to be up and about and fidgeting and moving around because you disturb other people so that's something that I found really really helpful for me in recovery 
And actually now I love going to the cinema and it's not difficult to sit. And I really enjoy the films and the experience. And I quite often take myself on a solo date to the cinema because it's something that you can be really comfortable doing on your own. There's actually loads of people on their own in there as well. And it's just a really good practice at being still. So yeah, I definitely recommend that. Um, so although low level movement isn't quite as excessive as exercise compulsion, it is still part of the eating disorder. So I have a couple of questions from the lovely Shannon. She sent me on Instagram um, and who is in recovery, but struggling with compulsive exercise. She says, my biggest struggle is compulsive exercise. My question is, how do I stop it? Do I slowly decrease because stopping it sounds absolutely impossible? So I'm going to work on those first. So ideally, yes, stop completely. Um, that's what I had to do. My body also came together to make me by giving me really bad edema and made it virtually impossible for me to keep moving around. It was basically saying, sit the fuck down and stay there. Um, so yes, stopping is the best thing to do, absolutely. It is not easy though. It is really hard, it's really uncomfortable. And you have to accept that you're going to feel uncomfortable, you're going to feel restless and it is a really uncomfortable thing to do. But what do you want more? What is more important to you? To be able to do the exercise now or to be able to live in freedom in the future? And that's the question you need to ask yourself. And if another question you can ask is, what don't you want? Do you want to be controlled by a need to exercise or don't you? Which is the answer to that question? Um, the next part, I know stopping does sound impossible and it feels really impossible, but you don't need to think of the big picture. You can think for the next hour, I'm going to sit down and rest until lunchtime today, I'm going to do activities that involve not being on my feet. I'm not going to exercise today. And just take it one day at a time. Because when you look at the whole big picture, that's really overwhelming. So just taking things day by day or hour by hour and celebrate yourself when you achieve it. And tell yourself you're proud of yourself. Because our brains, number one, love praise and start to rewire quicker when we positively reinforce what we want. But number two, they, we create our reality from the words we use. A bit like programming a computer, your words are the code for programming the computer that is your brain. So if you put in words saying, I have to exercise, I can't sit still. That is what you're programming your brain with. If you put in words like, 
I can relax and not exercise today. Then you're programming your brain with that. And then it makes it easier. So the more you reinforce what you want to your brain and put in the words to program your brain in a positive way, the more that becomes your reality. I guess it's also a bit like fake it till you make it. Um, you get to create the person you want to be by being that person. And that then becomes your reality. Um, do I work on the exercise portion first and then secondary movement next? Um, definitely cutting out exercise is, that's the most damaging. And so yes, do that absolutely first, but also build in time to rest. Say to yourself, I don't need to be walking around and doing this now. I don't need to walk extra and park my car further away. Rest as much as possible. And the last question I think, Shannon, you've asked is, do I work on this whilst I also increase my food intake? 100% yes, absolutely. Um, when you look at the adapted to flea famine hypothesis, it's all about finding food. And in our history, when we found the food, the whole tribe would sit and they would feast. And that would switch off this genetic um, response for the adaptive flea famine. So feasting, um, honoring your hunger, extreme hunger as well, honoring it. And the more you can eat and make your body feel safe and that you've got to the land of plenty, as it were, the easier it's gonna be to not exercise. They are intrinsically linked and it's so much easier when you are eating properly and honoring your hunger because that compulsive need to keep moving eases up because your body feels that you're out of the famine. There is a caveat, you do need to be consistent, otherwise your body's not gonna feel safe. If you restrict one day, eat the next, restrict the next, then your body isn't gonna know whether you've stopped for a bit of food on your journey or whether you have found the land of plenty. So definitely do honor your hunger and do absolutely rest as much as possible and really keep asking yourself questions. Do I really need to do this? Can I sit down here? What can I do that makes it easier for me to rest? Can I put on a lovely film? Can I relax in a nice bath, have some candles? Do kind and loving and gentle things for yourself that nourish you as a person, as well as eating food that nourishes your body, any foods. Okay, thank you so much for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. Please do rate my podcast five stars, then I can reach other people. See you next week. Bye.